If you're a physician who wants more autonomy in how you practice or fulfillment in your life, you're in the right place. This is the Change Physician Podcast, where our guests reveal how you can learn the mindsets, skills, and strategies to create the life you want without selling out your morals or values. But before we begin, I want to remind you of the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you at thechangephysician.com. This is the Change Physician, episode 253. Welcome back to the Change Physician. I'm here with my co-host. Did I even say my name? No, you didn't say I your just... name. But they all know who you are, Melissa. Come on, <laughs> you don't need it. They don't need your name. <laughs> well, I'm Melissa Katie, the Challenge Doctor, with my co-host, Dr. Kevin Kakaro, and we have a special episode today that um, really relates to what I think many of us. Uh, I can speak for myself, and I know uh, Kevin's chimed in and said that. He's evaluated that as well. And we've had different types of conversations related to this, but your icky guy, did I say it right? Yeah. And not your icky guy, you know, the guy who doesn't bathe. Yeah. Lives in the basement, <laughs> you know, that, you know, yeah. is picking up garbage off of whatever or leaving the garbage all through the house. Not that, yeah. not that kind of icky guy. Why, why don't you define it for us? <laughs> so, well, you know, like all of us, we were talking about, we have these little off-air, we should, I sometimes think we should just like record our off-air conversations because we go, we have these all big the old place. long deep conversations and we were talking about um, kind of meaning and reading and stuff. And then you pulled out this piece of paper that's about ikigai and ikigai happens to be a term that I was familiar with. It's a Japanese term um, that really requires of, I think the breakdown is the combinations of icky which is life and guy value or worth. So life worth kind of a deal. Um, similar terms would be like the raison d'etre. That's the French term for reason for being or um, meaning making that is typically seen in other things like Victor Franco's work, where it's like man's search for meaning. But it's, it's really um, this Japanese idea that, that culturally has been there for generations, but apparently was explained first in a book in 1966 about this, how to find life worth. And what what's interesting about Ikigai is they kind of make it a little bit more systematic. And there's these kind of four primary elements of what you love, you know, your passion kind of things, what the world needs. So there's things that you love. There's things that the world needs, what you are good at, what are your particular skills, and then what can you get paid for your profession, um, which is an important consideration if you're kind of trying to do something for your life worth, it has to be sustainable. If you're not making money or somehow not being able to to provide for yourself and your family, um, it's going to be unsustainable for the long term. So that's kind of the the basics here. And we were just sort of mentioning, in fact, that's why we started recording is like we've you know we're, we're trying we're we were independently struggling through aspects of this ourselves. So we're like, well, hell, let's just share it with with everybody else because you probably are struggling with some aspects of themselves. I met few people that are firmly entrenched in their icky guy um, and lots of different reasons here. So uh, Melissa, what are your thoughts and feelings of icky guy? How did you discover the term and what resonated with you or what was the struggle when you started looking into this? Well, I, you know, I, I go off on tangents and following people with their thoughts and ideas. And then they send me to somebody that has some other person has thoughts and ideas and randomly, um, I don't even remember this guy's name. First name is Mark. Um, but anyway, there's there's probably lots of places. I'm 
I, I'm not going to put this up too close, but you can imagine there's some Venn diagrams. This is a poorly printed version, but there's like essentially like four overlapping um, circles. And a lot of times you think of like, okay, I have a relationship and you're seeing, you know, there's these overlapping like interests, like you have your own interests and they overlap with someone else's interests. And so these Venn diagrams are really interesting because they just conceptualize some of the the challenges are trying to demonstrate some some ideas and one of them it's I struggle with the fact that I can answer some of them in isolation but when I try to find that ikigai or where they all kind of overlap to the perfect alignment um, I really struggle with that so um, my thoughts are it's it's a really good activity especially for people that are like me that like just do 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 work go you're not even really thinking through why you're doing it you just you're in a pattern you start making money or you're this is your skill set and this is what you think you have to do but you're not really thinking about what feeds your soul and so you go through this like on other episodes are you know having existential crises so i think doing these i need to put more time into that myself and i think that's why we're sharing is because maybe going through these questions that are kind of illuminated in this like uh special um illustration with like this venn diagram i think we'll put up a link somewhere so that someone can dive into that if they wanted to but like one of the circles is what do you love well so what love- what do you love what's your passion learning but that could be and then i think you have to ask another question why so that could be deep rooted into some insecurities or feeling a lack, um, maybe trying to prove yourself over your lifetime. Like you want to learn so that you know, or you're not humiliated because you had an experience where you didn't know something like who knows, but I love learning. I think there is a variety to that. So it's just a natural, I think, human thing. A lot of people like, but I think there's sometimes a deeper thing where you incessantly can't be happy and you have to like constantly seek more and more and more and more knowledge um but where is it going so then i'm gonna if if your one of your passions is is or love is learning so why is it that you love learn you love learning because it's interesting (laughs) why no more Um, five whys here (laughs) yeah like i i there's so much to dig into that. I feel like I'm in a like psychotherapy session right now. Um, but that's good. Um, so I think it's on a few levels when I, as a physician, you feel like you need to know answers. So you never want to feel like you don't have answers on a personal level. Um, well, it's enjoyable to learn new things because things can get stale in life, um, from past or maybe some influence, in the past maybe you didn't get that a plus and you you're like i i just have this natural inclination to want to learn more so that i perform better but that could be tied back into my profession as well well, so, um, well why is it important to perform better it's probably where a self-esteem um issue could be i mean i don't see how any other answer to that honestly for me um unless you have some that's just funny because i see you like i can almost see you like i organize what's the right answer here it's like really there's no right answer it's your answer no but that's my impression (laughs) is like okay it makes you feel better that you know the answer and you're not stupid sounding but 
No, I agree. I, I would agree on that. I mean, so learning is also one of my loves. And I would say for a very similar reason, I like to know the answer to things because I hate not knowing. And then you go, well, why don't, why do you hate not knowing is because I don't like the feeling of not knowing it. And this is a, for me personally, I don't believe this is a positive, but I think there's a reflection on self-worth with that. If I don't know the answer to something, I don't feel good enough. Yeah. You know, and so the question people, well, you can work on that and you could, but you can also recognize that, that, um, I think a, a lot of the the roots of of personal things are going to be related to your self esteem, and that's definitely one of them. Yeah. You know? Well, and I also but, don't like the idea that someone else knows that and I don't. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. I mean, it's pretty. I I, I can't stand. It. I can't say that you can never know everything. Um, but I don't. I've always disliked not knowing something. Yeah. And uh, why that is is it's always interesting, but. You know, it's interesting, though, when you think of academia knowing versus like real life or entrepreneurial knowing, like some of some people are not and maybe it's the structured environment of it and being told this is what you need to know. But I thrived in academics in the sense of like I had to work harder, I think, than other people, maybe just remembering things or whatever it was. But I literally felt like I always did other than. English and uh, high school, which I would get B plus. I'd be lucky if I get an A minus because I'm thinking of a different main idea of the paragraph or story than what they intended because I'm always thinking differently. Um, great at grammar. That's a totally separate thing. Um, but, you know, I, I think that um, I pursued college. I, I finished college. I did well in college. Like there's some people that like, they suck through high school and they don't want to go to college or they, you know, failed out or whatever. And I find that interesting on the sense of like um, the learning part, you know, so there are a lot of people that don't love to learn in that environment, but there's other people like to learn with real life and, you know, learning how to make money on their own without having to go pay how much money (laughs) to college. Now it's like crazy. So, so you, your, one of your loves is learning. And um, so the other the other four elements of Vicky Guy would be there's what you love, what the world needs, what you are good at, what you can get paid for. So then the second thing would be like, well, what do you feel you're good at? Um. Well, let me just say what the world needs. We need a lot more love. <laughs> and and I um I think I'm really good at being optimistic and loving towards people that maybe shouldn't always um i should say always um sometimes people need more um boundaries and hard tough love um and maybe uh, that could be a weakness too but i'm really good at just being an optimistic person which has helped me thrive in a lot of situations uh, that have been negative in my life so um but you can, there could be a laundry list of stuff, depends on how much you deprecate. Um, so like, I would say that I'm, I'm really good about caring, um, details, really good at just being organized, um, It's funny when you try to talk about your own self and what you're good at. 
I you know. start. You but start? I, I, it's, it's kind of interesting because here we go. Like, okay, well, what you if we just kind of take well, what's your passion? Your passion is learning. What the world needs is love. What you are good at is being an optimist and caring. Yeah. And so then we're going to go into well, what, what can you be paid for? <laughs> Well, it may not be that. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you twist it in a different way, um, which may not be respected. Um, anyway. Um, wow. but, I, but, but I think that's the important Maybe. thing because one of the things about these exercises, and I've done a lot of these exercises, and, I, and if I had the answers, I probably wouldn't be talking about this. I'd probably be out there doing it. Yeah. But what I always kind of find interesting about these types of exercises is the type of, well, what type of response are you going to give? Because if we say there, there is the, um, there's the idea behind something, there's the action behind something. So if we, if we're looking at this and we're going, well, what do we love to do is learn. And then we're looking at what the world needs is love. And we should have given that a little bit more. What does the world actually need a little bit more? And I, and sometimes I think, well, there's a way you can like, well, there's two ways of thinking about it. You can look at, well, what does the world need and does it fit my skill set? So love, and I'm going to kind of point out, that's kind of a little vague thing. Like, yes. what does that actually mean? What aspect of love would it be? Are we saying that there's lots of connection in the community in the world? Is there a lack of humanity? Is there a lack of equity where, where we're not crossing boundaries? And so being able to drill down really specific in these categories, I think provides more utility of information. But the other one is you, where you can look at, well, there's look at what the world needs. The other one is, well, what kind of skill set that you enjoy doing and um, a skill set then. So if you are an optimist or you're a caring individual, how do you express that? How do you express your optimism and how is your um, your caring expressed? So from a medical term, we can kind of use that like between the difference between subjective, which is kind of the thought or idea behind it. And the objective is what people see. If yeah. people couldn't read your mind where you're saying, I am a loving, caring individual, because that requires you to say it, what actions do you do or could you do that it would express that, that desire in such a way that people would be able to see it? Putting, well, putting out valuable information without, well, it all depends how you look at it. You can just put valuable information out in the world, you know, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get paid for it, but. Well, we're, and, and, and we're not, we're not in the fourth circle of being paid yet. Okay. So okay. Um, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of drilling into poor Melissa here, guys. So. No, I, I love this. And actually, um. I want to tie it into some of the dilemmas of even both of our pasts that time. Yeah. Through. Well, cause, cause as we're doing this, one of the issues is, is self-centering. Mm -hmm. So when you do an exercise like this, one of the things to kind of consider is fully expressing what you're expressing without self-centering it. So not thinking three nights, well, well, I don't know how that get paid. That that's the, you know, that's a different quadrant even to look at in this, in this particular scenario. So it's just, well, how could I, or what actions would I do to express my caring and optimism for, um, and then how do you relate that with learning? If you love to learn and, and you're a caring and optimistic person and there's lack of love, what are the things that kind of tie those together? And I think you did publishing, 
information, useful information for people that are positive, that lead to better interactions between blank, you know, individuals, nations, government employees, I mean, different, you know, uh, different professions. I mean, so there's all these little kind of aspects in there once you start drilling down there. But the, I think the, the key is to always making sure when you're expressing an idea is what's the action that would be tied to that or what would be the, 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 the positive or what's the word? The, it has to be something that can be seen by others without you saying it. What's the actionable behavioral change, the actual input, the actual uh, expression in such ways people see it and they, and they can say, Oh my God, this person here, they have published this deep learning thing about caring or connection or whatever, such that it reflects back on you. And they can say, Oh, the author of this or the creator of this, i.e. most Katie must be a caring individual and optimistic individual as well. Do you see what you see where I'm going with that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, getting outside of my head, the other people have to see. You know, it's interesting when you first started talking about that. When I let's just say, let's use my anesthesia, general anesthesia world. Um, coworkers, if they haven't really fully seen me, like maybe someone just, I when I'm in the zone, I I may not, I may not exude necessarily in the middle of my anesthesia work, because it, it can be stressful. It doesn't always seem like I'm uh, caring, optimistic, or really, you know, I'm not sitting there um, engaging in people in a way that they would understand. It's not until they see how I may treat my patients differently than somebody else, which ties into another thing about skill sets and stuff that I wanted to mention. But like, I personally, um, you can do the job of an anesthesiologist that's pretty minimal. Like you just put someone to sleep and don't add any of your, like, it literally is like, Hey, you know, you have any questions? All right, we're going to go back, put you to sleep. And that could be the minimalistic approach. And there's not a lot of caring there. Um, but with what I bring to the table, I see the patient as not depersonalized, but like a nervous system that is in a setting that they don't feel safe. And I see in their eyes that they're nervous and I attend to it. I'm aware of it. I acknowledge it. And I literally just said this yesterday to a patient who was crying. I said, I see you're, you know, you're nervous. And I said, let me just tell you, my priority is your safety. My priority is your airway. My second priority is to keep you asleep. They're both important to me today, but number one is more important than number two. And then she's like, it's cool. And this is for colonoscopies. And I said, by the way, we're going in holes that are already there, you know, like just to like break it up. And they started laughing and she stopped crying and all that stuff. To me, I mean, the optimist, I'm being the caring person. And that's what I bring to the table. That's my skill set. I would still get paid the same whether I did that or not. And so I find that fascinating. Well, and I would think that would be an, an example of Ikigai, mm -hmm. right? Because you're, you're hitting the, four, you, you have a love of people and a desire to keep them safe. Yeah. What does the world need in a subspecialty kind of really select ways? Not this global thing of world peace or whatever, yeah. but an indirect interaction. You have somebody who doesn't feel safe in a medical setting. Yeah. What are you good at? You're good at helping people feel safe to develop a closing connection to them. 
to interrupt with humor, to make them feel again, safe in a threatening environment. And when could you get paid for? Well, you're an anesthesiologist. That is part of your job. You could, as you said, you could just do the profession alone without the caring, without the interaction, without the attempt to helping somebody safe, you probably get paid the same way, but the sense of being for you would be substantially less. It's the difference between people who are just, you know, can do a job because they're doing a job. Other people do the job that somebody else is doing, but they have a different sense. There's a different meaning behind it. And then the actions become more meaningful. Right. And from a health standpoint, that's what you're really shooting for. So you know, we, you started this thing. I don't know what my icky guy is. I think you're expressing your icky guy. I think one of the dangers is if we get to the point where we say well, there has to be only one, only one thing that is that is the expression or, um, you know, my meaning for for existence. And some people may have that, but I think for some of us that may not be um, trying to pursue a single point where this is your your life's work or life's mission may actually derail you from finding the purpose in your life as it is now. Right. Well, here's a flip side. So I basically, anesthesia is the vehicle for me to, to manifest this icky guy or to utilize or to express it. But on the flip side is the world of pain. And the fact that we could be, good at say your interventional skills with pain procedures or something what does the world need less of it <laughs> and what do you love and like you and i both know we love truth and if we both love learning and we learn that the modern science of pain is saying that there's so many other ways to interrupt or change our pain experience and the interventions could actually magnify it make it worse then here, here's the struggle what can we be paid for I guess, you know, we get paid for a lot more doing the intervention, but yet everything else on these other circles on what do you love and what the world needs and, or what they think they need, I guess, is the other question. And what are you good at? Like, that's where I think we intersected at this like existential crisis of, you know, like, are we true to who we are? You know, what do well, you well, I, 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 that's the perfect example because that is definitely not icky guy doing, doing something that you don't believe in, that you don't love, and is not a benefit to society, is the exact opposite almost in many ways of what icky guy would be, because mm -hmm. you're not now. There's no meaning behind it. What you're actually doing is harming yourself and the world at the same point. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and and. <laughs> well, pain's a different thing, and there's a and there's a lot of medical stuff we can go into, which I'm yeah, not, yeah. which we are not going to get into. But I, but I, I think in other realms, in places where the the overt harms that are being performed, because there may be somebody out there that is an interventional pain specialist, they love doing injections, they believe that the world needs it for whatever God forsaken reason or not, and um, and they're good at doing injections, they may actually feel a lot of icky guy. In that performance mm -hmm. so it may be personally very relevant but it may be harmful to society yeah um and i i would say that whatever your life's mission is the one thing that you well i, I guess i guess that's a false one right because the, we're trying to find out what the world actually needs the world doesn't need more interventionalists it doesn't need more spine surgeons it doesn't need a lot of this stuff um 
is it, but, but but that's where that element of truth comes in because if you don't have that element of truth you can you can kind of fool yourself and you may be quite happy with that i i i think that's the danger of when truth is one of your core values is the fact that you kind of put this external f- rule that whatever your decisions are have to line up with kind of what the evidence and facts of the world are i still think that is a important thing for everybody but there is an element of if the more you can be like Forrest Gump and do things just to do them because you people told you that they're the right thing and you believe in doing it, that mindlessness and that kind of you know, just doing it and being fulfilled in it is is pretty attractive sometimes. Yeah. And luckily for Forrest Gump, he actually did better for the world as well. Even though <laughs> I, 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 I just like an example when it kind of it's like Icky Guy is all about again this meaning thing is is your your purpose for living. Yeah. And there's a couple, you can either be super Socratic about it. And, and that's kind of where the default is for me, where it's always like investigating and is this right and blah, blah. And there's a whole bunch of personal psychology there, I'm sure. But the other part is then doing the Forrest Gump method is where you stop worrying about necessarily, is it perfect or right? You just do it because it, you know, this is the way it, it seems to be working and you're, and while you're doing it, you're completely happy doing it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it didn't matter what he did. He, he did it. And he loved it because he was just sort of engrossed in the task. Um, I do think is really if you're a Socratic person, it becomes very difficult to be the Forrest Gump approach. And if you're Forrest Gump, you're probably not going to be Socratic. Um, but it is really just being able to find something that fits your skill sets, that fits what your love is, that fits what the world needs, and certainly what allows you to then get paid or or in some way reciprocate so that you have value that you can you know provide for yourself and your family. Right. Um, I think it's interesting um, if people look at these overlapping circles, like between what do you love and what are you good at, it speaks of passion. And then what do you love and what the world needs, it's mission. And then between what the world needs and what you can get paid for, they call it a vocation. And then between what are you good at and what can you be paid for, it says profession, which is just an interesting um, just way that they try to show where those different overlaps and really what happens is when all four of those circles of what do you love what are you good at what the world needs and what can you be paid for the true center is that icky guy we're speaking of um which i kind of like what you said there kevin about like there might be more than one like there could be a combination of these circles in many facets of your life um that you manifested in well and i think more importantly is in it, it isn't always going to be one and, and 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 like anything you can zoom in and you can zoom out so there's the micro and then there's the macro and then there's the meta level and on the big meta level is that sort of where we were kind of starting at the beginning with when you're thinking about what does the world need that's kind of the general thing you said like love and you say or the world needs is love and what do you love you love learning and what do you what are you good at you're being an optimist and in um and connecting those are really high in general not necessarily what you can get paid for unless you find a way to express that but we can hone that down again really really into all the way down to being an anesthesiologist you know and we're not talking about all the external challenges that are there and maybe that's what we're missing in sort of this healthcare environment is there's a lot of dissatisfied physicians in non-ideal practice environments. And I am not saying anybody should practice in an environment that is incongruent with their beliefs. That becomes very difficult though. 
but you can still at least if you can't control some of those external factors, maybe you don't have control, you know, you don't have control of administration. Most docs are employed now. You can still hone down a level or two instead of going from the meta, go down micro, micro, down to the micro level and say, what can I do in this interaction that is what I love to do, that I'm what I'm good at, is what the world needs and specifically what this individual needs that I'm seeing right now and is in line with what my practice is that I'm getting paid to do. And that won't cure, you know, an, a bad administration or a toxic environment, but at least it provides some degree of congruity between thoughts, behaviors, and actions that makes you feel better in that moment in time that may preserve you. And certainly that you're not coming home at night sick to your stomach all the time. You can be angry at the external factors, but if you can find meaning in your day-to-day -day actions that you do, you're going to be able to sustain a course of action, probably be healthier you know, be less stressed when you're getting home, maybe be able to find greater options on what other things that you can do, where you can take this core, this core icky guy, and then move it to another environment. If you, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and I do think that's, 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 it's a, it's a different play because it's, it's almost this, this, you know, logo therapy is finding meaning and Victor Frankl's man's search for meaning. The core is in whatever horrible environment that you are in, you can always pursue meaning a meaningful activity. And sometimes that meaning is just by perseverance, you know, and in, in the concentration camps there are people, people need to know what is happening here. And that became the sense of meaning. And so healthcare, no matter how horrible it is, is not a concentration camp. It can be pretty awful, but if you can find meaning in the, if you can make, try to make a small difference every day in the individuals that you're working with, again, so you're doing what you love, what you're good at, focusing on what the patient needs who's in front of you that is in line with the clinical course that you're doing, at least that provides you a little space right there to find, you know, some stability and some satisfaction while then your brain will not be stressed and you can start scanning what other opportunities are because then there are going to be, and we've talked about this oft times, where you can take that same skill set that you're currently getting paid for, but the environment isn't working for you and move it over to here where maybe the environment is better. But it becomes very, very hard to see those opportunities when you're so stressed out or you believe that everything is going wrong and that you're not finding any sort of substance substance in what you do every day. Yeah. And, you know, you were talking about the multiple ikigais. Well, technically, when you look at your ikigai as a Japanese concept referring to something that gives a person a sense of it gives a person a sense of purpose and a reason for being, you can just change that into many senses of purpose <laughs> and uh or sense of purposes whatever you want to say and reasons for being so you know you could have three children there's three right there <laughs> um, whatever it is but you did remind me of the fact that that whole discussion about what i love or trying to educate and and learn or um show compassion to people like creating a virtual pre-op experience for people before their surgeries because i feel like not just the evidence says that it can be helpful for a lot of reasons but it's beneficial to the you know patient and me, so I'm not surprised by anything. So, um, so I, I feel like that that's just another way that I'm expressing that because I can't control the typical environments out there, but I can create my own little micro environment um, to create a different experience, and that is an expression that can be visible to the patient and has actually been expressed to me that you must care to give your time up on a Saturday to talk to me, you know those kinds of things. Um, 
Now, do I get paid extra for that? No. I mean, you could say I work it into the fee schedule, but regardless. But um, there was something else I was going to say, but I actually like this conversation because I think we need to put a link in there to just find, you know, one of these little things to run that circle and the whys because that awareness like you're trying to pull out of me <laughs> is I think really helpful for people to, to exercise over time. Cause I think your awareness obviously evolves over time and you might get a better understanding. Um, sometimes just like what you like and don't like over time, you determine that over time um, to decide, you know, maybe better answers to those questions. Well, and, and nothing's permanent. I think that's the other danger. And I'm speaking to myself as much as an, as you or anybody else. Yeah. is when we think that things would be fixed, it has to be this one thing. This is the way. Like, sure, maybe that works for a Mandalorian if you watch the Mandalorian, really, that's the way. Um, but most of the time, the way is going to change. And so having a degree of flexibility there, so something may be the way right now. Something may be the way for medical school. Something may have been the way before you had kids. Something may have been the way, you know, up until your kids graduated, but that way can change. It's just making sure that everything is congruent with what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, and what is sustainable for you. Yeah. Um, and if, if you can mesh those, and I, I do think really being able to go zoom in and zoom out, because if you're in a position where you don't feel you can change, like you said, the environment, then you need to focus on the, those, those aspects that you can control, which is your personal, you know, your thoughts, beliefs, as well as your actions, and make sure, try to make those align in such a way. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think this is a, this is an important topic is more important than actually the more we're talking about it than when I thought when we were starting in here, um, because there is such this, this lack of meaning in healthcare now. Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of universal for, I mean, patients it, it's, they're getting subjected to this. I mean, it's dehumanizing <laughs> to be a patient in American healthcare. Sorry for masturbatory time. Most of you aren't going to have Melissa as your anesthesiologist doing all the stuff that she does. Um, and as a as a physician, you know, sometimes we we are so focused on the external factors. I definitely have been focused on the external factors rather than okay, we, these are things that we can't change in this moment of time. What can we do to actually improve this interaction so it's aligning up with what we love, what we're good at, what our patient needs in front of us. Um, and aligns with what our professional guidance is. And every one of us can do that, no matter where you are, until you open up enough of that space, kind of a reprieve um, from those external stressors to basically figure out then, well, where else would this be better for me to take the skill set and this need for that the, the world needs for the skills that I have and that I'm passionate about? Where else can I do that in such a way that I can get paid for it? Yeah. I One last comment. You just, just had this realization, and not, not that I didn't know it, but like, the things that I've done on the side on podcasting with you, with writing my own book, with <clears throat> doing my own like pain community stuff that was not traditional, like all these things were expressions, uh, creativity, and really creating um, or preventing burnout for me. And nothing gets more attention than a catastrophic situation, like someone like to get to the point where you want to commit suicide and then you found your way back. Like that's always so like obvious, like before and after pictures of a hundred pound weight loss. But the thing that doesn't get always the most attention is the fact that people prevented something. And so I just keep thinking to myself, like yesterday I had another comment from a patient. Thank you for being so 
like warm and kind and most people they're it's like like they're kind of faceless or they're just going through the motions and your patients pick up on that like they may not say it i have the great fortune of actually people saying these nice things occasionally and and it's it's it reminds me of why we're doing this podcast too of like helping kind of instill the sense of awareness and that there are other things out there and look at these other people that have been doing it and um you can find more joy in your life in inside or outside of medicine but i'm just super um i just i have a sense of gratitude right now because i feel like i serve my patients better because of these other things i do i would not be the person that got those compliments if i was burned out and and, and disconnected from my patients or being annoyed by them. Um, I'm fascinated by them a lot of times when people are like, just want to say names or like frustrated with them. So um, anyway, I just had to, I had to make that comment because I think the closer you go to your ikigai, the better you are for the world. And just like anything, you know, you're better for a relationship when you work on yourself. And I'm by no means perfect. Um, you can ask my husband that, um, but there's definitely, there. I'm in a better place than I was in the past. And so um, as a physician, as a person, and uh, I'm still on my journey. <laughs> that icky guy seems far out there. Um, anyway, any last comments for you take us out? Well, I would just say that I think it's always a journey. Mm-hmm. Right? As soon as it stops being a journey is when you're dead. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, and I think and that becomes kind of the struggle is, is making sure that you have a sense of icky guy throughout your life. And as we sort of mentioned, that can change for different aspects of your life. But the most healthy agers that I know have a sense of purpose and community and action in what they're doing now. And it may be, again, may be different than what they used to do. Um, but they're finding that sense of purpose, this sort of life meaning. And, and I think you can also tell when people get older and they lose it, you can kind of tell when they lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think that's really the sort of the sad thing. Um, yeah. Anyway, so an important conversation. And I think we're going to, you know, just to kind of summarize again, we're talking about the Japanese term of ikigai, which is kind of life sense of like life's meaning that you have. Um, the graphic that we've been referring to multiple times is a Venn diagram. So if you imagine a circle of what you love at the top, uh, a circle of what the world needs, a circle of what you are good at. And lastly, what the what you can get be paid for, what will provide you return so that you can take care of yourself and your family. And the intersection of all of those circles then is where your ikigai is. Um, do we have a perfect ikigai? I mean, fewer people do, but it's something to definitely strive for. And then that technique of zooming in and zooping out, you can have your overall sort of mission for the world. And then you can really hone in, uh, as we talked about, hone and really into your daily interactions and how do you express what those core values are, what the world needs in such a way that aligns with what your profession is, uh, as a way to kind of find a sense of self, find some meaning in what you're doing and hopefully a little bit less burnout in your day-to-day life. So awesome. Should we take take them out? Yeah. All right. As always, this is the change position podcast. Um, you can join us. live on the tubes sometimes at Facebook when we do our Saturday salutations. Those are most Saturdays, usually around 12 Pacific to Central. Sometimes that changes. Or you can just subscribe to the community at thechangephysician.com or on any of our podcast venues, whether that's YouTube or Spotify or 
Apple, iTunes, whatever. If you have any comments on this, you can drop me a line at drkevin at thechangephysician.com. And until next time, stay well. Thank you for joining us today on the Change Physician Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by going to thechangephysician.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at thechangephysician.com.